If you are a powerful, impactful, influential leader, it is your job to create clarity even when you cannot see. The only true competitor in the infinite game is yourself. The leader of the team has to go first. So where do ideas come from? Welcome to Nordic Business Forum Audio, the podcast that empowers leaders to change the world. I'm Heli, and during this next interview, Sheila Heen, a best-selling author and Harvard lecturer, talks about the art of having difficult conversations. The interview was recorded at Nordic Business Forum Helsinki in 2018. Enjoy. For those unfamiliar with Sheila, I'm just going to give you a bit of background. So best-selling author, law lecturer, and founder of Triad Consulting Group. And you teach how to handle difficult conversations and feedback. I do. Which is, I think, something like out of all of the speakers, this is something that we can all relate to in whatever yes. field we're in. So it's really great to have you here. And I would like to start by asking you, what is the most difficult conversation you've ever had? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so this is one of the things about teaching difficult conversations, which is that it's a lifelong journey, right? So I've been doing this for 20, 25 years, and I still find myself in conversations, whether that's with clients and scope creep in my professional life, or of course in my personal life, where I'm still falling into the traps and making the mistakes. But I maybe catch myself a little bit faster. So um, my husband, by the way, also teaches negotiation. So you can imagine what the conversations at my house are like. Um, and so what do you fight about when you both teach negotiation and difficult conversations? Um, mostly we fight about how we fight. <laughs> and and, when, and when you're not actually following your own advice. Yes. Yes. Which is something that sadly not everybody always does. Absolutely. So what is at play psychologically and physiologically when you know you need yeah. to have that difficult conversation? Yeah you know it's going to be difficult. Yeah. What's going on inside us? Yeah, so part of what's hard about difficult conversations is that our internal voice, what we're thinking and feeling, but we're not sure whether we should say, is really active and it's really loud. So part of what's hard is that in the conversation, I'm trying to stay engaged with what you're saying, which is wrong, by the way, and my internal voice is shouting. Like, difficult conversations are exactly when each of our internal voices, what we're thinking and feeling, is kind of turned up to full volume. And that makes it really complicated because I'm jumping back and forth between trying to stay engaged with you and listening to my own reactions and feelings. And because we all have experience with conversations that we try that don't go well, then it feels very risky to even attempt to have the conversation when what we don't pay attention to is the fact that we're choosing to avoid the conversation also has risks and costs. Mm. Because it means that problems continue to fester, things don't actually get addressed. And although we worry about jeopardizing the relationship if we have the conversation, when we avoid the conversation indefinitely, it also slowly eats away at the, at the relationship. How much are personality types and confidence an issue here? Because if you're the kind of person that always thinks they're right, yeah. very confident in public speaking, yeah. happy to you know, say it like it is, you might be more likely to approach things in a different way to somebody that, that doubts themselves, yes. even if you're factually more likely to be 
right or historically more likely to be right? Um, so if you're an extrovert, you're just more comfortable um, thinking aloud and kind of taking the conversation where it goes. One of the qualities that many introverts have is that actually I want some time to digest and think about what you've said before I respond to it. Mm -hmm. And so our preferences for when we have the conversation and how we have the conversation may actually be quite different. The other aspect of things that I think is important is that um, most of us are actually better at either empathy, thinking about what's, what's it look like, this conflict look like from your point of view? Can I put myself in your shoes and empathize and understand your point of view, which is quite different than my own? And some people are actually great at that. Or there are others of us who are better at asserting, sharing our own point of view, sticking up for ourselves. And my experience has been that there, you have to actually be good at both, but a lot of us aren't. Mm. So it's true that you know, every, all of us know people who need to be better listeners and be better at seeing what's legitimate about someone else's point of view. But it's also true that some people are so empathetic that they persuade themselves in the conversation that the mm. other person has a legitimate point of view, and then they walk away and realize, well, wait a minute, but I never said what I had to say, mm. and I never stuck up for myself. And so part of getting better at these conversations involves reflecting on which side is your strength and which side do you actually need to work on. Interesting. Is gender a relevant variable here? Well, gender is always a relevant variable. Any difference between us, whether that's gender or culture, et cetera, is going to be part of how we're reading each other and the assumptions we're making about each other. So it's never totally off the table. At the same time, I feel like sometimes we give it too much weight, like that's the whole thing that's going on, when it's like, actually, that's not all that's going on here, mm. right? There's, it's more complicated than that. Yeah, and, but there are sometimes, I think, prejudices at play in business sure. where people react in, in certain ways to certain yes. conversations. You were mentioning different types of communication, and obviously yeah. in a digital world, there is the chance to have that difficult conversation over email or text yes. or WhatsApp or yes. voicemail. And I wanted to ask about the pros and cons yeah. of that method. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say mostly cons. Um, and part of the challenge is that it's really tempting for me to try to put my point of view into email, right? Because I get to craft it perfectly and decide exactly what I want to say. Um, but email isn't actually dialogue. Email is serial monologue. And so I send you that email, and by the second paragraph, I've said something that just isn't right from your point of view. There's something important that I'm missing or assuming that doesn't feel fair, and you're triggered. Um, so now you're upset by what I've said, which totally dismisses or discounts your point of view. And so now you write back while in that sort of triggered state. And now I'm triggered by your response by the end of the first paragraph. And as time goes on and our relationship becomes more strained, I'm actually triggered by just seeing your name in my inbox, right? So <laughs> I'm sure a lot I'm of us have experienced that feeling. <laughs> yes, I'm already annoyed and dreading actually reading what you mm. have to say. So, so email or text, whatever, is tempting, but the more important and more complex the conversation, the more important it is to actually shift to something that's really true dialogue. If you're not in the same place, pick up, at least pick up the phone. Mm. Um, 
because sometimes we just have to talk it out. But then at least I can say, look, here's what I see, but what's your reaction to that, right? And so we can iterate and understand each other better so that we can get aligned more quickly. Okay. The other huge area of your expertise uh, alongside difficult conversations, although very much hand in hand, is feedback. Yes. Now, this is something that we're constantly told needs to happen in businesses, yes. but yes. I wonder how often does it need to happen? And from speaking to managers, it can be a stress. Oh, I've got to give weekly feedback. Yes. Do I have enough to say? Do I have time? I'm really busy. Right. So how do people get the balance right? Yeah, it's a great question. So. Um, Feedback shows up on the list of our most difficult conversations all over the world. I've never worked in an organization that doesn't say that's one of our challenges. Uh, and the problem, I think, is that the way that we try to solve that problem is totally backwards. So we focus on teaching givers how to give, right? And I tell you, you have to give it every week, and you're worried about, well, do I have enough to say, and what's the whole purpose of this whole thing? And you still might get a bad reaction from the person on the receiving end. And from our point of view, what helped was one day when we suddenly thought, well, hold on one second. Between, in any exchange of feedback between a giver and a receiver, it's actually the receiver who's in charge, right? They decide what they're gonna let in and what sense they're making of it and whether and how they choose to change. So maybe we're going about this backwards and maybe we should actually be understanding what's so challenging about receiving feedback for all of us and understanding that there are actually three types of feedback, and we actually need all three kinds in order to learn and grow. So appreciation, coaching, helping me get better, and also evaluation, like where do I stand? Am I on track? Am I doing okay? And maybe that's a shared responsibility between leader and employee or team member. For them, I, if I can understand how to receive feedback well, it's a distinct leadership skill, and it means I can take charge of take charge of and accelerate my own learning. I don't have to wait around for my manager to say, and I can say to my manager, here's the kind of feedback I could use a little bit more of right now mm. so that we share that responsibility. Okay, final perspective. There's a lot of business leaders here. Now, yes. surely the further you go up the tree, maybe it gets a bit more difficult for people to give you feedback, to be completely oh, candid. Sure. So how yes. do leaders seek that out and respond yeah. to it? Yeah, it I'll talk a little bit about this this afternoon. Um, but the irony is, as you get more senior in any organization, your choices and behavior has a bigger and bigger impact on everybody else and on the business, and fewer and fewer people are willing to take the risk to tell you about it. So as you get more senior, it's harder and harder to get candid coaching from the people around you. And so one of the things that we work with leaders on is knowing how to ask. Because asking people, hey, do you have any feedback for me? is the natural question we use, but it's actually a very difficult question to answer. Mm. People are like, uh, about what and how honest am I supposed to be? Mm. So instead, what we suggest is using a different question, which is what's one thing? What's one thing that I'm doing or maybe failing to do that you think is getting in the way? Or what's one thing, if I changed it, you think it would make our weekly staff meeting better? You can finish the sentence any way that makes sense in the context, but it's not, is there anything? If you say, is there anything, they'll be like, oh, no, you're perfect. We love you. Mm. But if you assume there's at least one thing. Nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. And, and they have a list in their head of the things you're doing that are driving them crazy. So it's very clear. I'd love coaching. And just give me one thing off the top of your head. Okay. Really great to talk to you. Do you want to... Um, okay. 
I was just listening to something in my ear. Now I need to process what you said. I'm an introvert. Is there one <laughs> oh, thing? Oh, this is a tough job is there for one, an introvert. Is there one thing you would like to give us some feedback on? Your visit to Helsinki. Is oh, there one goodness. thing we could do better or differently? Um, you know, one of the things that I am really sad about is that I am only here for a few hours. Mm. So you um, rushed here just today. I know. Yeah, you, I arrived this morning. I have to leave tonight because I have to host a retreat this weekend, and I've got people coming from California for it. And so I was delighted to be able to come. Um, but I think that the one thing is that you'll need to invite me back. Yeah. So I can really get to know Finland. Yeah, you'll have to come back to the Nordics soon. Thanks very much for uh, joining us, Sheila Heen. Thank Let's you. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank Thanks you. very much. Thank you for listening. You can keep on learning from other top experts by listening to our following episodes. To share your feedback, drop us an email at audio at nbforum.com. Until then, go make a change. <laughs>